This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Darren Urban, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Well, NFL training camps are open. Nine teams had rookies report today. The Cardinals one week from today rookies and veterans report the question I asked you though Kyle are you ready to report to training camp for what would this be the how many years post playing career we just say just report to training camp yeah absolutely not first of all (laughs) secondly um I got to get myself ready for this for the season I printed off a bunch of stuff I was gonna bring with me and as always, it's still sitting in my printer, so of course. I, I, I apologize if I'm not prepared today. Yeah, the uh, vacation's uh, somewhat over with, but uh, yeah, training camp literally right around the corner, State Farm Stadium, powered by Cox. And yes, the first open training camp practice is Thursday, July 27th. The Back Together weekend, Saturday, July 23rd, or excuse me, July 29th. And then the earliest padded practice allowed Monday, July 31st, no guarantee the Cardinals are in pads that day, but Darren, that is the earliest we can see a padded practice, and that's when football really begins. Yeah, it's always interesting those first few days, even with open practices, because they're not going to be able to do a whole lot, given how the CBA is these days and and how they want to kind of have these guys ramp up. And Look, I I can't believe, quite frankly, that we're sitting here talking about this, but then again... Uh, my wife's a teacher, and, and the, the Tempe School District out here just went to year-round schedule, so the, the, she's already back at work, and, and the kids are back at school, so I guess it's that time. And for those that want to watch a training camp practice, it is air-conditioned That's inside true. State Farm Stadium, so that is always a plus. But what people want to know here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Kyler Murray, yes, he will be at training camp. When will be he on the football field? That's a big question and will continue to be a question. But recently on Cardinals flight plan, we heard and saw Kyler Murray and really hearing from him for the first time since he suffered his injury in December, surgery on January 3rd. But just a big takeaway from what was episode five, Kyler Murray's return, which you can still, if you have not seen it, it's available on the Cardinals YouTube page, youtube.com slash Cardinals. But just before we hear from Kyler himself, Kyle, what was your big takeaway from what was a plus 20 minutes exclusive on just K1? There's a lot. Uh, first of all, excellent. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Um, you don't get a lot of glimpses into Kyler the person. Um, you, you hear a lot from Kyler the player, and, and it was so good. Um, you know, everything Kyler has done this offseason, at least in my opinion, has been really encouraging. Um, him talking about how he has learned, how he has grown, and how he has matured. And um, look, you can have a good football team without having your quarterback be a leader, but it is extremely difficult. You know, nine times out of ten, if you want to be a successful team, your quarterback's got to be a leader. And I've said this over and over and over. 
in order to have a voice, in order to be respected, it doesn't matter your draft status. It doesn't matter how much money you make. For players in that locker room to respect you, it's about your sweat equity. It's about how involved were you, how, were, how much were you around in the offseason, and that gives you a voice. That gives you the credibility. Um, look, you know, Kyler has been criticized over and over for his, you know, his response in games, getting angry at players, sometimes yelling at players, yelling at coaches. Look, Tom Brady has done it. Peyton Manning has done it, but they have earned that respect from their teammates. And I can see and I can hear from the voices and the players in this locker room and the coaching staff, Kyler is investing. He's investing in his teammates. He's, invest, he's investing his time. Um, he's learning this offense. He is around, and that gives him a voice. And he, at that point, he has now become not only the face of this franchise, but the face in this locker room and one of the players that can be a leader for this upcoming season. We know Kyler Murray, the player, what he can do on the football field. What we did see during this latest episode of Cardinals Flight Plan, Darren, is more Kyler Murray, the person, seeing him at his home on vacation in Hawaii where he was still working out, rehabbing from that ACL injury. And you did get a, a little bit of a crack into Kyler Murray the person which we've all been waiting for and wanting to see and now we actually for the first time did get a, just a little bit of a taste yeah I I think I think it was good to see that I mean uh, you asked uh, Kyle what his first reaction was and that was my first reaction was the end part where he talks about shopping and he made a little joke about the video games and uh, you know and and wanting to go on vacations that was something we don't usually get from Kyler, or even if you ask him those questions, he's a little more hesitant to, to really be open about it. And I, I thought that was good. Now, I also made the point, I wrote about that uh, on azcardinals.com, but I, I made the point like, okay, that's, and that's good, but it's still, how, how does that translate into the football part of it? You, I think, I think the fans want to know him a little bit more, uh, but ultimately this still all comes down to how quickly he can come back how, what he plays like when he is back, you know, what the expectations are, not only of himself, but everybody else. You know, one of the things that I've long noticed, and, and unfortunately Kyle's been through injury like this before, uh, you know, a lot of times a guy coming back from an ACL, that first year back is not, he plays, he's cleared to play, he's okay to play, but it's not the kind of play that, the player nor the fans are expecting from that player. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I've said, you know, his body will be ready, fully ready at some point this year. It is to me, it was the mental aspect. You know, my first ACL I got rolled into and I could see myself backing away from piles that entire season, not wanting somebody to fall into my legs. And my second one was non-contact and maybe that was worse because you, you it takes you a long time to feel confident in planting that foot and driving and not thinking about it. And, and I can remember, you know, vividly the day that I started to make those cuts and I didn't think about it and I just went and it was never in the back of my mind that something could happen and that will take time. And a lot of times it's, he's just going to have to play through it uh, to get that confidence back. Let's go back to when this all began. It was December 12th, third play of the game against the New England Patriots. It's year four for Kyle Murray. And as he talks on flight plan, that's when his season ended. You know, I got better every year, and then to take like a, you know, hit a, hit a wall year four, especially after going through the whole contract thing. Like, I got COVID in camp. I hurt my wrist in camp, so I missed a lot of those reps. And then trying to play catch up during the season, it was just kind of like a compilation of up things going on. 
I think winning cures all. And it's been tough to do that with some of the circumstances that we had to deal with. But I think we're heading in the right direction. And that right there is key, Kyle, because whatever Kyler Murray says or any player in that locker room says or tries to get out there as far as a narrative or a story, what happens on Sunday is the only thing anyone cares about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, to Darren's point, like, Kyler can be the most likable person on the planet. I mean, you can be a great dude. Um, everybody in the locker room can love you. But if you're not winning games, fan bases will turn on you in a heartbeat. They, they want to see um, success on the field. I mean, look, there is several quarterbacks in this league that are not well-liked outside of their own markets. Um, and a lot of it is their own faults. You know, I'm looking at the New York Jets right now. Um, but all they care about is can he throw the ball, can he win us games, can he get us into the playoffs and, and make us Super Bowl contenders. And ultimately, Kyler's exactly right. You know, it, he, he's, he understands the levity of this situation. He understands the importance of him, you know, taking a step forward because, you know, even prior to the injury last year, he did statistically take a step backward. And, and he seems fully invested in this new offense, this new scheme, and, and the possibilities that it can bring and, and what he can bring to this offense. Again, we don't know exactly when we will see Kyler Murray on the football field. Obviously, he has a goal of week one. We'll see if that goal is reached. But in the meantime, you're rehabbing not only an injury, but also we heard from Kyler talking about how much he's grown, not only as a player, but probably more as a person and exactly as a leader for those guys in the locker room. I've grown a lot off the field and on the field, whether, you know, trying to show people that now, but yeah, I'm, I'm wiser, you know, um, emotionally, you know, learning how to, you know, be one with the emotions, understanding, you know, how to talk to certain people. Some people may be able to take the harsh way, which I'm naturally that way. Or do I have to soften it up and, you know, give them, the, give them a little love? By the way, that buzzing you hear in the background, Kyler Murray is sitting down in a barber's chair getting his hair cut. Again, we saw Kyler in a number of different settings, and getting a haircut was one. And I think as we get into year five now of Kyler, and we hear him talk about learning what it takes to be a leader and that there are different ways that you can lead, even amongst your own teammates, whether you need that be forceful or the pat on the back. Yeah, I, I think all leaders uh, have to understand that, whether you're a, a boss in you know this f field or this field or, or on the football field. I mean, every I, I think every person is a little bit different. I, 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 I go back to thinking about uh, the Matt Liner, Kurt Warner days with Ken Wisenhunt, and I often felt like uh, – you know, and were there things Matt Liner could have done better? Yes, but I also I always felt like Ken Wisenhunt was the kind of coach who preferred to treat all the players kind of the same. Like he wanted to treat them like football players, and a linebacker wasn't any different than a quarterback. And I always felt like Matt Liner was one of those guys who needed the pat on the butt rather than, uh, you know. And and I always kind of thought that. So it's interesting to me that he is starting to understand that now. We're we're going into a fifth year. I mean. That is what you you need to understand. But then again, all these guys are professionals, and um, you know if if some things are getting done or not getting done on the field, hopefully these guys will understand that themselves, and it won't be as much about the quarterback having to let them know that. Right. This this is a relationship business. I mean, quite frankly, you can have as much talent as you want on the team, but at some point, you've got to figure out how to mesh all of that together. And it's great to hear Kyler recognize I mean it, to me the best coaches I have understand that like 
even even as a parent, I've got five kids and you have to parent each kid differently because they respond to how how you treat them differently. You know, I can tell my daughter I'm disappointed and she'll, you know, just be devastated. I can tell my son and he doesn't care. Um, so, you know, and, but that's how all people are. You have to figure out as a coach, you have to figure out as a quarterback, as a leader, what buttons do I push with this player to get the most out of them? And it's great to hear him recognize that, that I can't just start yelling at everybody. I, some players, you got to pat them on the back and say, hey, that mistake is okay. Put it in the past and move on. And another guy, you really do have to stay on them at all times. And, and that maturity will really help him this season. One more from Kyler. Again, it's Season 6, Episode 5 of Cardinals Flight Plan, available right now on the Cardinals YouTube page, youtube.com slash azcardinals. Kyler Murray talking about what he dealt with over those first four seasons and now maybe a little bit open to interpretation, a renewed sense of freedom, if you will, for Kyler. I feel free in a sense, you know, especially with the change of upstairs in the organization. I feel like, you know, they've done a great job ever since they came in, uh, holding people accountable, the leadership. Uh, they're really trying to build something from the ground up. So the offense, the, the ins and outs of it, the way we're going, I feel like personally, like, you know, the sky's the limit. I, you know, I hear that, and it's always it's fascinating to me. I mean, obviously, people are going to take that and interpret it compared to where they were last year, and I think that's a fair interpretation about where they were with Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury and, and kind of where it's headed. But it's it's amazing to me that a guy coming off a major ACL injury is talking about how free he feels. I, I'm 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 going to be very curious once he gets back on the field, like how that translates to his actual play and and there is one thing I want to bring up and there's been a lot of talk about and you just mentioned it how he had mentioned at one point that week one is the goal I, I feel like Kyler said week one was the goal just like every single player in the NFL goes into a season saying our, our goal is to win the Super Bowl I mean okay every every team's not going to win the Super Bowl so most of those guys are going to be he's got to say week one is the goal but that somebody saying my goal is to be back and you want to work to that, that's fine. That's just not realistic. And for anybody thinking it's realistic, I, I just think puts an undue amount of pressure on a guy. Uh, not that he's necessarily going to feel it, but like he, anybody thinking he's going to be back week one, or even that he was trying to imply he was going to be back week one, I just think is misinterpretation. And if you hear the entire comment about that week one hoping to return he understands that there is a long road ahead and the whole talk about feeling free goes back maybe to there's always pressure on the starting quarterback Kyle but maybe a little bit less pressure on Kyler's shoulder given what this offense what this team hopes to do not only this season but years to come yeah absolutely it, it seems like they are designing an offense to take some of that off of Kyler's shoulders I mean he had a lot on his plate last year and you know, to me, that the best thing I love hearing is that I'm going to be coachable. And a large part of this episode, you can get the feeling Kyler hears the narrative and he doesn't like it. And he really wants to change the narrative around here. And, and right or wrong, a lot of the narrative with the past was we're handcuffed by the things that Kyler will do or wants to do within this offense. And, and you know, even the, the part of being under center – we don't know those conversations. We don't know how much he was asked to go under center, but he just wasn't under center much in the past. And this coaching staff has come in and said, we're going to put him under center, and that's what our offense is going to look like. And Kyler's fully accepting of that, saying, I will go under center. I'm, I'm going to be coachable, and I'm going to do what they ask me to do. And, and you know, that, to me, it, it either signals growth or it signals that 
all of us were very wrong from, you know, over the last few years about what Kyler would and would not do for this offense. It is an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at Kyler Murray, the player, Kyler Murray, the person, and getting a sense of what he has been going through as far as rehabbing from that ACL injury and a meniscus tear that Kyler brought up as well. YouTube.com slash Cardinals is where you can find it. If you've already seen it, it's worth another look again. Cardinals Flight Plan Season 6, Episode 5. A tip of the cap to everyone involved in that Cardinals Flight Plan episode. Just getting started here on a Tuesday. The Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Rea, Luca Vandenbosch, and Darren Urban. When we come back, we flip the script a little bit. The other side of the ball. The defense. What do we expect this Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rollis D will look like in 2023? That's straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. The vision of how I want to play defense and how I want the defensive players to act and the coaches to serve the players. He had that vision. He shared that vision with me. Uh, very high capacity, very high character, which were those were the two most um, important part of pieces for me hiring coaches. And he has those and uh, complete faith in Nick to run the defense. Nick, as in Nick Rollins. Linebackers coach with the Philadelphia Eagles the past two seasons under then defensive coordinator of the Eagles, Jonathan Gannon, who you heard right there talking about his decision to hire Rollis as the Cardinals defensive coordinators. We say welcome back here. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats, Craig Rhea, Lukav, Vandenbosch, and Darren Urban. And we'll begin this conversation with Kyle because it is his side of the ball, and he actually played defense. Darren and I are more offensive guys, specifically <laughs> on the basketball court. But when we talk about defense and the expectation, because we really don't know too much, the only thing we do know is that Gannon and Rollis in Philadelphia, their base defense was a 4-3. Is that going to be a base defense here with the Cardinals? Probably not, given the lack of quality depth at D-line currently. Cardinals do still have three open roster spots. Keep that in mind between now and the start of training camp next week. But what is the expectation, knowing what you know about the head coach, the defensive coordinator, and what is currently on this roster? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you're right. It's it's tough to tell because what, the, the first thing you do to look for a clue is look at where they came from. And where they came from was Philadelphia. It was 4-3. But look, Philadelphia had two corners, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, really talented, you know, potentially shut down lockdown corners. They had 70 sacks with their front four. Um, they blitzed, uh, I think they were 18th in the league in blitz percentage. Arizona last year was number two. Um, so it, you can't, based on the personnel, what we hear from Jonathan Gannon, and I believe Nick Rollis even said it is, we've got to find a way to get the best 11 on the field. Well, to me, the strengths of this defense as it sits right now, not knowing where our pass rush is going to come for, from, not knowing what our cornerback depth looks like, is you know you've got you've got your strength of your team is your linebackers, your inside linebackers, and your safeties. And I expect this team to be, from what I can gather, probably an odd front, which which lends itself to more blitzing. You can have Buda Baker down in the box more. You can have Isaiah Simmons down in the box, bringing pressure from different positions. Because to me. Even if it's a best-case scenario and they found a diamond in the rough in, in Zayvon Collins and he can be that dude, it, who's the other dude? Like, my experience, there is maybe four or five guys on this planet 
that can do it by themselves. You need a pass rush plan. You need two or three guys that can win one-on-ones. And, you know, just from the sample size that we have, from the history that we have of these players, I, I don't know that it's on this roster. Hopefully, you know, some of these guys take that step, take that leap, become that type of pass rusher. But right now we don't know who it is or where it's coming from. So I expect, you know, possibly multiple fronts, an odd front, where you can bring linebackers on a blitz, where you can bring a safety down in the box and he can come off the edge. Um, it, I expect it to be aggressive and, again, to utilize a, a, your talent and get your best players on the field. I think that it's definitely your safety position and I think it's definitely your linebacker position. Anytime he's been asked, talking about Jonathan Gannon, Darren, it's I don't have a scheme. And it's yeah. going to change week to week depending on opponent, depending on personnel, who's on field, who's available, who's injured. And to a certain extent, I get that. We just don't know if he had the perfect roster, what's his preference versus what he has and now has to adapt to. I will say this. I think when Jonathan Gannon says he doesn't have a scheme, I think the majority of him saying they don't have a scheme, it has more to do with the fact that he doesn't want to talk about what scheme he may be using. I mean, they got to be teaching him something in those meetings and uh, and it usually starts with something. There there is a scheme. He just he doesn't want to get in. And and will there be more adjustments? Sure, there'll be more adjustments. But um, this idea that people have taken what he said and kind of run with, well, there, it's going to be this ultra fluid. And you know, one week one week he could be running you know two down linemen, and the next week he could have five guys on the line. I, I don't. I mean, there might be some sub packages here and there, but I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be one basic thing that they kind of move off of, and and that's fine. I I think that's why to me, training camp is going to be so exciting to watch, because with the open practices, we're going to get to see it. We're he's he's not going to be able to say, well, we're not really using a scheme because we're going to be out there watching how they're lining up every day. And my guess is it's not going to be so crazy that every day it looks completely different. It's going to look it's going to look like something, and, and we'll see it soon enough. Again, the first open training camp practice at State Farm Stadium is Thursday, July 27th. Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. Now, recently, the Dave Pash podcast, Gannon, a guest with Pash, and asked what this defense will look like. We'll have elements of what we did in Philly. But my first thing about schematics is it's all about the players that you have and who you're going against. So, I don't really care what we look like as long as we're executing at a high level and doing enough on each all three phases to win the game. We play significantly different from week to week. That's predicated on who we have and who they have. So I think that's that's the main point is I want us to be adaptable. Again, going back to what we heard earlier in the show from Kyler Murray, winning cures all. If this team is successful on defense, it doesn't matter what kind of defense is run out there who, how many different defensive linemen or how many different safeties if you're stopping the offense, getting off the field, that's all anyone really cares about. The background, though, of Gannon is a 4-3. Part of that conversation with Dave Pash on the Dave Pash podcast was Gannon's influences, Mike Zimmer, Jerry Gray, Matt Eberflus, all 4-3, but we hear Gannon say he wants to be adaptable. What do the players think about this defense that not only Gannon but Nick Rollis will have a hand in? Here's Jalen Thompson. I like it. It's uh, it's a little different than last year, you know what I mean? Uh, I felt like this year it's kind of a little bit more – he lets the players be a little more free out there, you know what I mean? Maybe not so robotic, I feel like. And I feel like that's going to lead to more plays being made. 
you hope that's the case, Darren, that more plays are being made and how much freedom. And I guess the follow-up question to Jalen would be, all right, what kind of freedom are you having? Because that whole do your job, know your role, okay, don't get too far away from what your assignment is because now, hey, we get to play more free. Yeah, again, I don't know exactly what Jalen in particular is is referencing compared to Vance Joseph. I always felt like these players really loved playing for Vance Joseph and the kind of things he did. Um, You know, Gannon has brought up the kind of the analogy of having you you don't have to you can you can kind of freelance a little bit, but it has to be within the lines of what what they're doing, kind of like a coloring thing. Um, and again, I don't know what that means. Um, I, I still think, and and this goes back to what Kyle was saying earlier about the the pass rush. You still got to have dudes. You still got to have guys. And I, I think the question right now is, what kind of playmakers does this defense have? Do they have the talent that they're going to need to to play against some of these offenses that they have on the schedule? And I, and I think there's a lot of questions there. And scheme will get you a certain amount. But talent still rules in this game, and you know it's it's. I go back to the, the Seahawks defenses all those years with the Legion of Boom. They were great because of the players they had. Uh, they were playing a fairly basic scheme, but they had some great players. So again, scheme will take you this far, but it's it's about the players. That can they take you most of the way? And it goes back to what you referenced earlier, Kyle. Like, okay, Eagles did not blitz because they didn't need to. Now the Cardinals. Do they need to blitz, or can you get pressure with four or five? Are you going to have to start manufacturing and bring extra bodies to affect the quarterback? Yeah, and um, you know, listening to the, the last couple comments, um, you know, it's about uh, even Jonathan Gannon saying it's about who we have and who they have. It's this is a matchup league, right? Can you cover this number one receiver with a corner, or do you need to roll coverage to him? And that's something that will change week to week. And you always want to find the best matchups. If you have one or two elite pass rushers, you try to find that fish on the offensive line and you get them lined up on them. And, and that's, that's what you know, I, I like hearing is, look, it's, it's not you, know, you slap it up on the board, this is our defense, this is how we're going to run it. We're, the fluidity is we're going to take advantage of matchups and we're going to figure out what puts us in the best position with these matchups. And again, going back to past comments, one of the things I love hearing both with the offense and the defense is they sit down and tell the players the why why we're going to run this coverage or why we're going to blitz this gap. And and for players to be invested and understand, hey, on this third down, this is why we're going to run this coverage. This is why we're going to drop this defensive end into the flat. That is huge for players to be invested and be a part of it and understand not just coaches telling them what to do, but involving them in the process and understanding their thinking and why they're doing the things they're doing. Again, we'll get more of an idea what this defense will look like when training camp begins. We'll also get an idea what this offense will look like and how they'll start lining up specifically on the O-line. That's the next topic of conversation as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. A reminder, Cardinals single-game tickets are on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. We do it each and every Tuesday year-round, 11 a.m., all things Arizona Cardinals. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Rhea, Luke Kyle Vandenbosch, and Darren Urban. When we come back, 
the offense. A first-year offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, what he wants to do with this roster as it's currently constructed. That's ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. We got a, a, a good group of guys that's just like great dudes that want to play football. Mm. So it's easy to mingle with the group. It's easy to interject young offensive linemen into the room and it'd be fun. Oh, man, me and Paris are already clicking, man. Such a cool guy, very smart. We even have our own handshake going on already. Oh, there you no. go. And, nice. And already. Like, what is it? Well, I'll give you guys a clue. It's you, We wouldn't call it a handshake. We would call it more of a, a belly shake. Something to pay attention to here in 2023. Exactly what Will Hernandez and Paris Johnson Jr., we presume, on the right side of the offensive line, what they're doing maybe after a good double-team block. I don't know. Kyle, did you have any... You have any handshakes, specific handshakes, not belly shakes, any specific handshakes <laughs> with the teammates after a major tackle for loss or a sack? No, I wasn't really – I wasn't cool enough to have any <laughs> celebrations. I, I uh, also did not – some of these guys, like you watch basketball players before games, I don't know how much time they spend, but every player's got their own handshake with another player. It must take – they must spend so much time at practice working on that. <laughs> We heard DJ Humphreys and then Will Hernandez on Wolf and Luke, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. As we talk about the offense and more specifically the offensive line here, as the second half of the Cardinals Red Sea Report begins. It's presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And I think at this point of the offseason, Darren, we know maybe outside of left guard on what this offensive line is going to look like. Let at the same time, you go back a year ago, you're going to need depth. You're going to need numbers. The Cardinals had 10 different offensive line combinations. I believe the only time they put out the same five was four weeks in a row at minimum. And that's something that if you want a successful offense, you need those five guys to remain on the field more times than not like the Chiefs and the Eagles did. And they both made the Super Bowl last year. I brought this up a billion times on different platforms, but the year the Cardinals made the Super Bowl, their five offensive linemen started every game, all 16 regular season and all four postseason. So it really makes a difference when that can happen. Um, you know, I'm, I, I would say that pretty much every position, I'm fascinated to see how this coaching staff sorts out because we don't know exactly what they're going to think about these guys once we actually get into camp but the offensive line is another one of those places where it's like we think we know like you just said well we think we're set other than left guard I mean it seems that way it seems like Paris Johnson is going to fit in at right tackle because that's where he spent the entire offseason but we don't know that for sure um you know Will Hernandez at right guard is Yelda Froholt your center I mean he is right now but does could that change still um, and then, of course, D.J. Humphreys at left tackle. I, I still think there are th some things to sort out. There are some possibilities that could still happen with some of these open roster spots. And then they're going to have to figure out how to pare it down because they have brought in a lot of offensive linemen with at least some kind of experience. They're obviously not going to be able to keep them all. So who makes sense on this roster in terms of flexibility and, and being able to play a role? 15 offensive linemen currently on the roster. The big one that everyone wants to see, and that is your sixth overall draft pick, Paris Johnson Jr., who, again, we anticipate playing right tackle, but he has experience on the left side of the line of scrimmage and even playing guard, which he did at Ohio State. But you draft someone that high, you expect to see him on the football field. 
Yeah, he'll be on the football field. I mean, it just his talent and ability, I mean, it's impossible to keep him off the field. And and with his athleticism, it lends more uh, to offensive tackle. I mean, you can you could take a guy who doesn't move quite as well, who doesn't play as well in space, and you can kind of cover him up at guard because he's got a little help either from the center of the tackle. So, um, you know, he's he's your prototype offensive tackle. So I would think they find a way to, to get him at right tackle. But, you know, the, the, the thing that I like hearing with this group – we don't know the who right now, but it's it's the what. And you hear about their camaraderie and how well they get along with each other and the mentorship from the veterans to the young players and the guys that um, have already formed this bond with the rookies and, and specifically Paris Johnson because regardless of who the final five are, they need to gel. I mean, an offensive line, sometimes you can win games and be a really good team and, and even have a good offensive line with – with a bunch of nobodies, but they've got to work well together. And to your point, that never happened last year. We never had the same group together, and and it was just plugging in pieces. And you, it didn't seem like they ever worked extremely well as a unit. Um, but it seems like that's where we're at right now. Starting from day one at training camp, you know they haven't had a ton of experience working together, but they get along with each other. And and you know offensive line, there is no tighter knit group in an NFL locker room than the offensive line, and it seems like that's the way this offensive line group is. Almost a decade ago, D.J. Humphreys was in the exact same position as Paris Johnson Jr. Now, a little bit different. Humphreys was not a top-10 draft pick, but coming in as a rookie, and we know D.J. did not play his rookie year, but now the veteran in that room, D.J., on what advice he would give to the youngster Paris Johnson Jr. You're a first-round draft pick, bro. I'm going to tell you something about being a first-rounder. If you jump out hot and you ball, you're putting yourself in a position to have a career that is laid out for you. Mm. This is what I want to see from yeah. you. I said, but right. you don't know how hard it was for me to work to get that bust off my name. You got to really work hard to get that off of you. I said, I'm telling you, if you can just do that, focus on having your consistency as a young player, that's all you're going to need is going to carry you so far because all the other tools you have, you just need to be make sure you're being consistent in every phase. And credit Humphreys as well as that conversation was part of Wolf and Luke, but Humphreys has been very public about how supportive he is of the young player who may one day be the starting left tackle of the Arizona Cardinals, but the veteran helping out the youngster. Don't always see it, but you are seeing it in that Cardinals locker room in the O-line room. Now, bigger picture though, this offense overall, regardless of who the quarterback is, you have a first-year offensive coordinator, Andrew Petzing, Comes over from the Cleveland Browns, where he was the quarterback's coach and tight end's coach over his three seasons with Cleveland. The Browns like to run a lot of two tight or two running backs with the tight end. Is that what we're going to see here, regardless if it's Kyler Murray or Colt McCoy or whomever it is at quarterback? It's a fantastic question. And and just like we were talking about with the defense, it's it's hard to really know exactly what's going to happen. We We've obviously gotten considerable amount of hints that they will run the ball probably more often than this team had previous that said and we've had discussions about this ourselves it's easy to say you're going to run the ball a lot more and then when you get in the heat of the game or you get behind or the running game isn't quite working or your defense isn't holding up enough to to allow you to run a lot I mean things can change so I'll be curious to see exactly how this plays out, and I'll be curious to see how it plays out with and without Kyler on the field. Is James Conner still a guy who you're going to ride heavy, or is one of these other running backs who, quite frankly, we don't know exactly who would be the backup or the number two guy or the other guy getting touches. 
what that person is going to bring to the table. Yeah, if you aren't run two running backs, who's that second running back next to James Conner? Head coach Jonathan Gannon on what he likes from a Drew Petzing offense. Stresses out the defense. He can adapt to who he's playing. Uh, we'll look different each and every week by who we have playing, who they have playing. And he's going to, I think he does a really good job of tailor fitting the offense to who's out there for us. All 11 positions, not just the quarterback position. Again, there, Kyle, we hear the adapt to what we need to do to be successful. Now, certain point, you're just going to run what is successful that you do well, even if that is something that goes against what that week's opponent can do better, but that's just what you do successful, and you're going to do it, and hopefully at some point you'll be successful on that particular Sunday. But it goes back to training camp. How many tight ends? How many wide receivers on the field? It's going to look a lot different than what we've seen the past four years. Yeah, and to Darren's point, I mean, you're right. Um, you, as an offense, you've got to have a base. You've got to have something that you're going to go out there and say, this is what we do, stop it, right? So you, you've got some base, and then you build off of that, and you obviously make changes before the, each week and, and, and even in-game. But just reading, uh, hearing hints and reading the tea leaves, you can expect more 12 personnel. Um, I think it's going to be more, more zone blocking, quarterback under center, more bootlegs, more waggles, um, and more motions, more pre, pre-snap shifts, things like that. Um, you know, in, in my mind, what I vision – Kyler Murray in offense that he could be really successful in is, is you think the Saints with Drew Brees. Look, you've got a short quarterback, shorter quarterback with, with a really strong arm. You, you find those passing lanes. You get him on the move. You move the pocket. Um, you know, I, I hated playing the Saints because you could have the best pass rush in the world and you get back there and he's not there because the pocket is always moving. And, and that's what, you know, it's not just Kyler's legs aren't just a luxury in the run game. They're not just a luxury when the play breaks down. He can get to that edge on a bootleg quickly and he can throw – it, you know, from different platforms and different angles with his baseball background. So I envision kind of that Saints under Drew Brees type offense and that being the base that the Arizona Cardinals will run. And Kyler wants to throw the football. He does not want to use his legs to move the yardstick and move the football up and down the field. He wants to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, whether that's handing the ball off or throwing it to the wide receiver to tie it in. We know that. The legs, as he so famously put it, are a luxury. When plays break down or you need that extra yard or two, but Kyler Murray from the pocket or whichever side of the field that pocket may be, to your point, Kyle, as far as you're moving the pocket to avoid that pass rush, but staying within the framework of the offense to let Kyler Murray and whomever it might be at quarterback do what they do best. Hey, you want to hear more of Jonathan Gannon, his conversation with Dave Pash, the episode 58 of the Dave Pash podcast. Available right now via your preferred podcast provider. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Did you run today? Yeah, I did. He said 14 point something? 15 point something? 15 MPHs? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it. It's getting better. Getting it up. It's getting better. Kyler Murray and his father have a little catch in the backyard. Catch with the football. And Kyler, not full pads, but wearing the shells. Part of the 
Episode 5 of the latest episode, the latest edition of Cardinals Flight Plan, which details Kyler Murray's rehab and also just opening things up. A different side of Kyler Murray, the person away from the football field. Again, it's available on the Cardinals YouTube page. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. But playing catch, and you heard him reference, running almost 15 miles an hour. Kyle, you've dealt with ACL injuries and the rehab and the return from that. Every player is different, whether you had a meniscus tear or other issues within that knee, not just an ACL. But, yeah, Kyler Murray wants to come back week one. Will he come back week one? Highly unlikely, but he is getting to that point where getting on the field, practicing, becomes a little bit more realistic. Yeah, I just love to hear him say that that's his goal because that's the way it should be. If, if his goal is to be back by week eight, then – you know, it's a little concerning. His goal is to be ready for week one. I don't know that it's feasible. Um, again, we've talked about this before. No two ACL injuries are the same. Um, he did have some meniscus damage, so that, that compounds things a little bit. Um, but, it, you know, he's working extremely hard. You, you can see how hard he's working. Um, and, but the, there's just so many factors, um, you know, that there's so many hurdles that he still has to cross. You know, he's, he's been doing some straight-ahead stuff. You know, you got to work in the agility – and then it's a whole nother matter. Like for me, you know, it, it took me a while because I'm wrestling with 310 pounders. I had the, I had an injury about the same time as Dwayne Starks, and he was back like two months before I was because I'm out there wrestling with 310 pounders. Kyler Murray's got the issue of he's got 300 pounders chasing him every play and diving at his legs. I mean, they they don't care that he may be a little bit slowed in when he first comes back. They don't care that he just had. Uh, you know, a grueling recovery process. All they want to do is hit him, get him on the ground, and and he's got that to deal with. And that's a big mental hurdle when you know that on any given play, there's 11 players that are going to take shots at your legs when they get an opportunity. There is a lot on Kyler's plate right now. Not only is it the rehab, but he's learning a brand new offense. It's new for everyone, so that helps. And he's also getting familiar with a brand new front office and a brand new coaching staff, specifically a head coach and Jonathan Gannett. Here's Kyler on the recent episode of Cardinals Flight Plan. It's been seamless. You know, I mean, JG hit it off. You know, he sees things the way I see things. You know, he can relate to the guys, and he, you know, genuinely feels like he believes in the guys and is trying to get the guys better, me better. I feel like, you know, you run through a wall for that type of guy, and, and that's the type of energy that he brings. And you like to hear that, Darren, because no matter what, head coach, quarterback, they're always tied together. Yes, and and let's face it, um, and, and I think we saw a little bit of the, the relationship between Kyler and, and Cliff Kingsbury frayed a little bit at the end, and um, – that that is an important the the two guys have to be on the same page and going uh, referencing what Kyler said earlier about feeling free um you know they're in the honeymoon period right now obviously um we'll see where this goes uh but it's it's a good start and I think Kyler was looking forward to a fresh start and I think that's what he's got right now and it's not just the relationships with the coaches but the players Kyler has been around more than he has in any of his previous off seasons so you're getting more Learning more about each other as far as teammates, something that Larry Fitzgerald on a recent interview with Cam Cox over at 12 News discussed. He's going to be chomping at the bit to go out there and pick up where he left off, uh, you know, as a, as a Pro Bowl performer. And, you know, I'm excited for him. You know, I've, I've heard he's really, you know, developing and building the relationships with people in the building and the natural maturation process is taking place. And that's that bodes well for not only him, but it bodes well for Cardinal players, organization and fans that uh, pull for him. 
We heard something similar with DJ Humphreys rehabbing his own injury and being in the building and Kyler Murray being in the building at the same time and DJ saying, yeah, he's he's a funny guy. He's, he's, a, he's a lot funnier than I knew, but because they're together and you get to know each other off the football field, and I think that's been one of the biggest growth spurts, if you will, for Kyler this offseason is getting to know those guys on the same side of the ball and just the entire team. Yeah, and, and that's what I mentioned earlier. Like To me, this is a relationship business, and if you, particularly with your offensive linemen, like, they need to know that you care about them, and they in turn will do everything they can to protect you. They will, they will fight for you. They will pull people off of you. They will do what they can um, for you. And, and you know, the, the thing that I think I'm seeing, that the coaching staff is seeing, that Kyler's teammates are seeing, nothing reveals your character more than when you face adversity. And he's faced so much adversity in the last year, and he is standing up in the face of it, and he's taking responsibility, and he's doing everything he can to change the narrative surrounding him and this football team. As Kyler said in Cardinals' flight plan, I've been hurt before, but not like this. Brand new experience for him. How does he come out on the other side? A special thanks to those behind the scenes on this edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Our executive producer, Jim Almahunter, associate producer, Cody Fincher. Welcome to the team, Cody. Technical director, Lauren Koval. For Kyle Vandenbosch, Darren Urban, I'm Craig Rioli. We will talk to you in one week's time when rookies and veterans report for training camp. That is a week from today. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals football club. Oh.